0: is back on. We
1: were all on the right side. <laughs> it was we were on the right side of history, some would say. Yeah. It's I would say this it's everything that baseball wanted and needed and got it in that. Shohei Ohtani
2: versus Mike Trout.
1: Unbelievably, you couldn't perfect. write a better script. You
0: couldn't. It was no. as
1: it was as though it was scripted.
2: That was just peak, like the
0: NFL. Peak baseball.
2: Unless the script is maybe Mike Trout taking Ohtani deep. But we were on Japan, so it worked out for us. We were this very strong in Japan last night. And as you guys know, I have Ohtani tattooed on my back. He's my favorite player in yes. The history. Yes, he Only next to Chris Bryant.
1: <laughs> and what, he'll be a Cub one day for you, right? Will, we're going to find out here soon. <laughs> I hope to hear good news from my Cubbies. It's All a right. Lie. Joining the show is Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights. The sports books don't want you to see Bet Smarter and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. John is also the host of the Odyssey Original Podcast. Big Time Baseball. Cody Decker, Tony Gwynn covering the entire MLB. John, just. Your thoughts on on last night and how that game ended? It was it was absolutely poetic. It felt like,
3: yeah, it was perfect. Uh, that was the matchup at the end. Uh, I think uh, one of you said that the only thing better would be if he had homered. Uh, maybe also bases loaded. Uh, maybe we're asking too much here, but yeah. uh, it was you know something that he was the tying potential tying run and uh, threw hundred miles an hour. Then that, that incredible slider that cut all the way across the plate and of course Trout was best hitter of the last uh generation really last quarter century uh, swung right through it so uh otani right now is unquestionably the best all-around player in the game and uh, he showed that and uh, give him credit
2: yeah i completely agree that was the biggest story but then i woke up and uh, found out about corbin burns we obviously know he's not really happy with the milwaukee brewers he spoke out about the arbitration process and then today Uh, we see that he's enlisted the Boris Corporation as his new representation. So do you think, let's say the Brewers get off to maybe like a slow start, do you think he gets moved at the trade deadline rather than Milwaukee lose him for nothing? Do you think he's pretty much as good as gone? What's next, do you think, for Corbin Burns here?
3: Well, Milwaukee is not afraid to make some hard choices with their players. We saw that last year with Josh Hader, who was traded with a year and a half to go. Now, potentially free agent after the year with the Padres. And obviously that upset the clubhouse, but they seem to be all about the analytics, the numbers, and not the feelings of the players, so they wouldn't have taken their ace to arbitration. I thought he had a winning case based on Bieber. It looked like he should have gotten the same race as Bieber. They've had basically the same career, both won a Cy Young, both finished seventh last year in the Cy Young voting. I don't know. I don't know how arbitrators decide. It doesn't seem like a very good system to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I understood him being upset with the Brewers. I didn't know he was upset with his agent. I still don't know if he is upset, but he did change and went with Scott Boris. And uh, obviously going to get serious about this. But, you know, he had a big crew. He had CAA, which is a big company. And, uh, you know, for all the Brewer fans out there, they saying, oh, and now he's gone. You know what? He had CAA before. Uh, you know, I don't think his chances. Remain a longtime brewer, very good before. Yeah, I mean, it's based on his feelings and the fact he didn't have CAA, he didn't have some fly-by-night agency or some, you know, young kid representing him who needed the money. So, uh, you know, I, it's hard to see him as a longtime brewer now, and it would have been hard even if he had stayed with CAA.
2: And what the craziest part about it—the years that he had, the last two years—and I know you know it was two years ago that he won the Cy Young. But the case that they made against him, they pretty much used not making the postseason against him, which is not what you want to do with your former Cy Young pitcher. No,
3: and they no, and they didn't make the postseason because they traded Hater, and because, because they don't have any bats they, in that line. Burn, yeah, they traded Hater. Yeah, yeah, and Christian.
2: Yeah, and Christian Yelich hasn't been the same player since 2019. Really quickly on that though, do you think maybe this is why David Stearns stepped down as Brewers president of operations? Why he? wanted to go elsewhere, I think, you know, maybe to a bigger market here after taking a year off, but do you think it's because the Brewers are
1: cheap?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I would just be speculating there. He seemed to be happy there for a long time. I I don't know if they had a, a difference of opinion on this Hader deal or what, but obviously he got a very bad reaction in Milwaukee and in the clubhouse, so it was not a good move. They fell apart after that trade. We saw in Baltimore they traded their closer, not Josh Hader, of course, but still a good closer and uh the team rallied and so it was a little different with milwaukee where they knew hater and he'd been automatic for so long he he had been slumping the previous couple weeks it was logical for a small market team but you know they just don't take the temperature of the clubhouse or consider the feelings that's the way they are that's how many small market teams operate they feel they have to do that because you know that's how uh, they think you can win with a small market. Certainly, uh, analytics has helped uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, and before Oakland completely gave up, it helped the o- Oakland A's uh, do well with yeah. with their analytics. So, uh, you know, you can understand it to a degree, but you know, they upset the whole clubhouse, so and that that's the reason they didn't make the playoffs. It wasn't because of uh, it wasn't because of uh, Burns slumping or anything like that. And you know, I'd be speculating on. Uh, somewhere else, whether that be the Mets or Mm. wherever uh, next year.
0: Interesting. You mentioned just Shohei Otani in the World Baseball Classic. It's very clear when you watch him how competitive he is, and it's a shame because the Angels aren't playing competitive baseball, and it doesn't feel like they're going to play competitive baseball anytime soon. What do you think happens to him this season? Do you think the Angels realistically move him? And if you had to give a favorite, who would that be to, for him to, to to land?
3: They should have moved him last year. That's when he had, his value was peak. I mean, I understand he's continued to play great. This was a great moment, but two years of control, mm-hmm. uh, that's the time to move him. They, they would have gotten a Soto-type deal where you get five great prospects back. They still will get a good deal if they decide to do it. I just don't think Artie Moreno, the owner, who's continuing to be the owner after threatening to sell I don't think he has a stomach to trade him. I saw him at the owners' meeting in Palm Beach a month ago, and he, he's not of a mind to trade him. He thinks he can sign him. They have signed some big contracts. Well, they haven't won. I mean, they signed walls. they signed Wilson, they signed Upton, they signed Hamilton. Uh, they signed Rendon they've signed a lot of big deals now obviously those deals are big they're nothing like the Otani deal Otani's gonna and they signed Trout you know obviously twice they've signed Trout so I mean the Angels while they don't win they do sign big contracts so uh, I think you're right in the sense that they haven't won and uh, that's going to be the the rub and that's why it's a long shot that he stays with Anaheim or Los Angeles whatever you want to call them and does feel like he will end up elsewhere i don't think there'll be a trade i think there'll be free agency i mean obviously the dodgers are logical the giants will be in there the padres will be in there you got to figure steve Cohn with the mets will be in there it's going to be quite a competition but he does like the west coast but i do think you are right about him being competitive and he wants to win so i I think the angels are much improved i think they're going to win some games this year but Uh, you know, he's got to look at the whole track record and figure, you know, even if they make the playoffs this year, that's only one time, he's going to have options of teams that have made the playoffs uh, the majority of the years.
0: Yeah, and he's like two players, really, John. And so I I think about what he's worth on the open market. I threw around the fact that I think he's worth $80 million. (laughs) Like, I I really do. Like, how much do you think he commands on the open market?
3: Well, I've said five hundred million is probably the baseline. I've, I've suggested maybe even six hundred million. I mean, the record is three hundred and sixty for a free agent with uh, Aaron Judge. You're right; he's two and Judge could have gotten more. He would have gotten four hundred if he'd gone to San Francisco, I believe, or San Diego. So, you know, we're talking about Aaron Judge is a fantastic hitter and defensive player, but you know, like everybody else, he's not a fantastic pitcher and hitter. And he doesn't bring that marketing. He brings a lot of marketing, more than anybody else in the game, but not like Otani. So we don't know the exact value of the marketing, but he's really three entities. He's the pitcher, the hitter, and the marketer. So, yeah, you, know, you can make a case he's worth three times what anybody else is worth. But I think on the open market, I think $500 million will be the baseline, and he'll probably go north of there.
1: Talking to John Heyman, BetMGM, tonight. You know, we're watching the game last night. It's not the first time we saw that lineup obviously for the u.s but i mean you we see a lot of phillies there and we know we would have had bryce harper had he been healthy you know, as a part of that as well that nl east is absolutely stacked with the braves who are actually the favorites then it's the mets then it's the phillies with those three teams how do you see the nl east shaking out with just these loaded teams playing each other
3: well, I'm probably not going to say because I did that division for my capsules in our special section. Yeah, post, yeah. I'm kind of with you. I like <laughs> the feeling. I mean, they had three guys who were prime players on our WBC lineup, which is an all star lineup. And you're right, with Harper, they would have had four. Uh, the Mets are a good team, but they didn't have anybody who was an everyday player. They had Alonzo and McNeil, who were, you know, certainly uh, contributors to the WBC team. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I guess because the Phillies got to a bad start last year and their overall record wasn't good and the Mets beat them, I think, 15 out of 18 or something like that last year, people don't think about the Phillies. But the Phillies have a much-improved bullpen. They've got a great one-two punch. They added Taiwan Walker. They added Trey Turner, and you saw what he did. Uh, I mean, to me, they're just as good as the Braves or the Mets sure why people are counting them as the third team in that division
2: john any chance anybody other than the astros wins the al west uh we see jose altuve is going to be out of action at least two months after the world baseball classic the mariners the you brought up the angels you think they might be a little bit better i'm done with them though rangers a's anybody (laughs) anybody so pretty much do you think there's a shot that the mariners could win the al west
3: (laughs) yeah i mean it's possible someone else wins it uh you know, obviously, there's there's four things going on right now with the Astros. They lost Verlander, nothing yeah. they can do about that. So, uh, you've got Brantley, who's missed summer spring training, has a shoulder thing going on, something else personal. You've got Jordan Alvarez, who's got a hand thing, something going on with him. And, of course, Altuve out two months with a broken thumb. So,. You've got four issues right now. I mean, they were much the best last year. Obviously, even with the improvement of the Mariners and all the spending that the Rangers did, and I like the Angels off season. You know, they're probably the. I mean, probably, they're probably the, they're the best team in that division, but they don't look unbeatable to me this year. Um, is there somebody in that division who can beat them? I'm not sure there is, but uh, you know, I, and I, I kind of get why they're the favorite because their pitching is still really good, but shouldn't be the overwhelming favorite anywhere. They've got too many issues right now.
0: John, in the NBA, we talk about league pass teams, teams that maybe aren't contending or competing for anything realistic, but just very fun and maybe outperforming what people think they're going to do. In your estimation, who's that one team in baseball that you think is going to really surprise?
3: Well, I've been saying the Angels. I know you know, one of you said you you've given up on the angels. I so
0: think it's all of gone. us. That's, yeah. me.
3: That's because I bet they them to win the, the division every it. year, John. <laughs> I love <laughs> Otani. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean they got the two best players in the game, arguably, um, certainly the best player with Otani, and potentially two two of the best players or two of the best three at the at the very least. And they did a, had a very good off season. You know, they they brought in Anderson to start, Estevez for the bullpen. They brought in more for the bullpen. They brought in Hunter Renfro. Uh, for the outfield, uh, Gio Urshela for the infield, Brandon Drury for the infield. So, I mean, their depth just was a joke last year. It was just terrible. I saw them when they came in in Yankee Stadium in May, and they were, I believe, in first place at that time. But certainly they had a very good record, and they just fell apart after that with some injuries. Certainly Rendon. I mean, Rendon gets hurt now. They're covered because they've got Gio Urshela. As the, that's, a, that's as good a backup third baseman as you're going to find in the game. So, you know, they added Renfro from the outfield, which is a nice Ed. Anderson. Uh, you saw Sandoval pitching for Mexico. He looked fantastic. You know, as I said, Otani's the best. He's got extra incentive this year, though. I don't think he cares no way about the money. Uh, you know, to me, that should be a good team. I, I mean, it really should.
1: John, got about a minute or so left here. You just your thoughts on what we've seen early on in spring training with the pitch clock and some of the rule changes?
3: Well, I mean, I'm not unbiased here. I, we have deadlines at the New York Post, so I, I love the pitch <laughs> clock. I'm, not, I, I'm barely surviving without the, yeah. the pitch clock. It's infuriating watching these games. It trimmed the fat of the games. I, I guess some players are complaining. I would just disregard them. I understand that the game is nothing without the players, but look, uh, the, the minor leagues, they did it in less time. Nobody complained. Everybody figured it out. Uh, I get some adjustment. I, I was at a game where... Marcana was fielding a, uh, a foul ball that was rolling around in the corner. He had to run into the deep right field and get rid of that ball. Then he made a, a, a running catch right after that, and then he had a hustle up the bat. You know, the, the umpire could use some discretion in a case like that, but to change it from 15 seconds and 20 seconds, 20 seconds being with the men on base, forget about it. I mean, the game is much better. The fans will like it better, and you know, I'm barely surviving as it is. I can't have four-hour games when I've got a, an 11:15 deadline. It's just not yeah. even workable.
1: I, I'm so glad you said that, especially people that cover a losing team, like my Nats, unfortunately, like the Nats and Pirates in the middle of July going 12 innings and lasting four hours. O'Neal it's just Kruse. not good for anybody having to cover that team. John Heyman, always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks, All right,
3: thanks, guys. Good talking to
1: you. And that was Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us make better bets through real proof and analytics that's smarter, beat the books with those trends. Download the BetQL app and visit betql.com. I'm I love hearing longtime baseball reporters, people that have been around the game forever, Old say days. they like the changes. Mm-hmm. That means that there is hope. That people won't be bitching about it as much as we expect some of them to. Do tough meeting those deadlines. I used to do some work with the AP. I'd have to do those two minute oh raps after
2: the games. It'd be 3 30 a.m. When I, I was
1: working at a, I oh, like a, behind a, a satellite uh, network for a while, and right. I would have to be stuck there sometimes till 2 a.m., depending on how long baseball games went. Absolutely the worst.